0: synapses or neurons that fire together, wire together. It is a conditioned response fall cry and they're wired that way. Everything that happens is either a deposit in what you want to create in your athlete or a withdrawal
1: Welcome to the Gymnastics Growth Show. My name is Nick Roddick, a performance gymnastics coach providing world-class education, events and consultancy services to the international gymnastics and professional sports community. This podcast is dedicated to optimizing athlete and coach performance from grassroots to gold standard. Stay tuned to discover tactics and strategies designed to transform results for you and your athletes. Welcome to episode 35 of the Gymnastics Growth Show podcast with mental toughness coach Dr. Alison Arnold. Doc Ali has pioneered mental training with gymnasts all over the world for the past 28 years. She's been the mental toughness coach for Olympic athletes, NCAA championship teams, and thousands of athletes chasing their dreams. After receiving her PhD in clinical psychology, she spent 12 weeks studying the mind with the masters in Nepal, four weeks in a Thai forest monastery, three weeks in the Amazon jungle in Peru, two weeks in silence integrating it all and still made it back to teach it to us. A former gymnast herself, she is relentless about helping people reach their potential. Doc Ali certainly brought a lot of value to this recording, which has been taken from a recent live broadcast on Gymnastics Growth TV, my brand new weekly live stream that you can catch up with on my Facebook page or YouTube channel. In this episode, Doc Ali breaks down some complex topics such as neuroplasticity into really easy to understand chunks and of course explains why the coaching community should have an understanding of these areas. She really feels that coaches can be leveraging the time opportunity they have at the moment to ensure their gymnasts not only return to training, but actually come back better. Alison shares some fantastic knowledge and science, but also the ways in which coaches can practically apply the tools. I'm sure you're going to take a lot away from this episode. If you're listening on your phone, it would be great if you could take a screenshot, stick it up on social media, and use the hashtag gymnasticsgrowth. As always, I'd love to know what you think of the episode too, so please send me a direct message or comment on the post on Instagram or Facebook. Here is a fantastic episode with Dr. Alison Arnold. Thank you very much for joining us on Gymnastics Growth TV.
0: Hello, Nick. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. It's really an honor to be on your show, Nick.
1: The the honor is mine, I really appreciate you uh, carving time out, (laughs) I know it's much earlier in the day where you are than it is here in the UK. Um, So why don't you just, can you just start by delving a little bit more, giving a bit more information about your background and of course what we're gonna be talking about on today's show as well.
0: Yeah, so I spent my whole life as a gymnast and I in the US was a level 10 gymnast, and then I got a scholarship to do college gymnastics. But I was always like a very mental head case of a gymnast. Like I was every coach's nightmare. I'm sure you all know what that's like. So I was interested in the mental side of sports, the mental side of our sport, you know, in particular. And um my whole life I've always been interested in like in people and why they do what they do. And so I've spent my whole career studying the mind and traveling around the world, studying the mind with masters in Nepal and Thailand and Peru to learn about what makes us tick and what makes patterns and habits. And that's what I want to talk about today. Today, we're going to talk about the brain and how the brain creates these patterns and habits and how during this time when a lot of people are out of the gym and i hope you all are staying safe and staying sane um, how we can still use this time to come back better and to really build our brains
1: sounds awesome it's really intriguing to me this whole concept of um what we're going to be talking about building the brain and essentially you just mentioned they're coming back better which might sound like yeah. a really Almost a strange perspective, because people are like, you know, how can we come back better at a time like this? Of course, we're not going to be in a better place at all. We're going to be far worse off. But you're saying, actually, no, it doesn't have to be that way. And there are so many opportunities that these athletes could come back in a better state, maybe in a better position to to, to learn new things. Um, I'm interested in your perspective on the coach education, which currently takes place, because to me, it sounds or is bizarre that we are in the business of teaching yet a lot of coaches don't have a great understanding of the science behind learning and how that actually takes place. What's what's kind of your thoughts on that?
0: Right. I mean, I think it's, it's really interesting that uh, a lot of coach education and coach certification programs don't include... Um, well, first of all, there's not that many. There's not that much out there. And a lot of them don't include more of the science and basic learning or child development. And I think... Through your show and people like Dave Tilley, and the more that we can learn. I mean, I really believe that knowledge is power and knowledge helps you just expand your horizons as a coach. And I think the more that our coaches can get things like this from your show, the better. It just gives us more tools, more tools in their toolbox.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's get into yeah. some of the nitty gritty here.
0: How are we going to do this?
1: How are we going to get athletes to come back better from from this?
0: Well, first of all, I want you to know they really can come back better. And what we're going to talk about today is something called neuroplasticity. Now, I know that for many people, as soon as you get into the science talk, people like turn off but I want you to know that I am not a neuropsychologist. My doctorate is in clinical psych. So we're gonna talk in ways that are very rudimentary that I understand. So if I understand it, you guys can understand it. Um, And we're gonna talk on about how to build the brain. So we got to start with a little bit of science first. Um, And that is that the brain is made up of billions, of neurons. And what's super cool about this is that 20 years ago people thought that these neurons were fixed and not really changing. But now we see and and this is what neuroplasticity is that with everything you do, with everything you experience, with every skill your athletes do, their brain is plastic and their brain is changing Neural connections. And I think, Nick, we have an image to help you really see this. So, this is an image of neurons firing and connecting and creating roads in your brain with everything you do. Everything you do. So, at first, those roads might be like just imagine a path in a forest. And you just start weaving your way through the forest. And that might be when you do something for the first time or your athletes do a skill for the first time. But as you keep firing these roads, the pathway gets more and more embedded and it actually wires together. And then finally, you create habit. And some of those are good and some of those are bad, which we'll talk about later, but these, these pathways be, form roads and eventually superhighways where behaviors become automatic. And, and these synapses, which is where the neurons meet, become wired together. There's a great phrase in neuropsychology and neurophysiology that says, synapses or neurons that fire together, wire together. And so they wire together creating stronger and stronger roads. And so the cool thing about this, especially in the time right now out of the gym, but this is true in the gym as well, that there are parts of the brain that don't differentiate between actually doing a skill and doing like a realistic walkthrough where you're feeling the skill Mm. on every level. And we're going to talk about um, integration of different parts of your brain as well. But the more that they can do this with skills, but also with behaviors, the more that we can hardwire these skills in so that they come back faster and better. And again, these tools are great right now out of the gym. And I'm very practical as a mental toughness coach. So I'm gonna give you practical ways to use these skills with your athletes, but it's also great to use these when they're in the gym. And we're gonna kind of talk about both parts.
1: So is this why visualization is such a powerful tool? Because essentially as you're visualizing, you're also kind of taking your body through that experience, and then you're also still firing along these pathways. Is that where where some of this kind of connects to what visualization
0: is? Definitely. But I even like to take visualization a step further. There's something called brain integration with these pathways. And I'm sure you noticed in the video that it looked like a web or like a root system. There There was neurons connecting to neurons all over the place. So when you integrate different brain centers, let's say the auditory center, the hearing center, or the proprioceptic uh, center where they're, they're feeling the skill. And maybe there's a visual center. Or maybe there's the center of your brain that stores music and emotion. So I don't do a lot of straight visualization. I try to do brain integration where I have my athletes, again, move through the skills. Where we're creating this web of neuronic firing in different centers. So many athletes too, when they visualize, they'll make an excuse like, I always see myself falling or things like that. So when you have them move through the skills with maybe activating body positions and activating key words or key technicals that they hear inside their head, like squeeze, push, and you're playing a great song in the background and so you're getting an emotional connection what we're creating is that web of neuroplasticity and, and neuroconnection that then they'll take it into the gym and sing that same song in their head or sing that same song in a competition. And what we're trying to do is create a consistent like biochemical reaction. And that's what gymnastics is all about, right? We want to get it automatic consistent, consistent under pressure. And so when you build the brain in this way, you're going to create a lot more consistency because the brain's not running around like a crazy monkey firing all kinds of chemicals. Does that make sense?
1: It, it makes absolute sense. And this, it's, uh, it's, it's fascinating. I know you're fascinated by this. I'm fascinated by this as well. I just think there's so much opportunity mm-hmm. for coaches to improve their delivery. And when I say coaches, I mean me included, just by having more of an understanding of, of how learning actually takes place. Um, it, what I'm thinking of, um, Ali, is, is that there are some examples of, of athletes that train um, in an environment where they are encouraged to do lots of repetitions. And let's say they were to make a mistake, they should be you know, they're taught to adapt to that, to carry on going, to push to the end of a routine anyway. Um, And they're the ones that are normally in an environment where there's a bit more freedom to fail, like to to make make Uh mistakes and it's part of the learning process versus other environments where failure is not acceptable. It's not tolerated. And if you make a mistake, you know, you're back to the beginning. I'm just thinking here that what I what I've often found is the athletes that train in an environment where failure is not just allowed, but almost encouraged are the ones Mm -hmm. that can um, be mentally tougher because they're more versatile. You know, they've made mistakes over and over again. Maybe that's the fact that they've created so many more um, neural pathways or or different webs, if you like, of being able to respond Mm -hmm. to different scenarios rather than only working in one kind of direction. And if they make Mm -hmm. a mistake, they just come off that that pathway and, you know, they can't pick themselves back up again. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I think that's totally true because If you have a lot of neuroplasticity and a lot of brain integration with these different parts, you are more adaptable. And that's a key word in this discussion, really, that the brain is adaptable. And a way to think about it, and the way I like to think about it as a coach, too, is that everything that happens is either a deposit in what you want to create in your athlete or a withdrawal in what you don't want to create in an athlete. And again, it really is literal because as your brain continues to fire on that pathway, it has a tendency to go that way. So let's say you have an athlete that falls. You start to get agitated as a coach. The athlete starts to get agitated. That's building that road inside their brain. Fall equals what? Agitation. Fall equals disappointment in my coach's face. And that again becomes embedded. So you're looking at this from a lot of different angles. If you have a culture where if the athlete makes a mistake, you're like, it's okay, let's go on, you can do this. Then it's like, mistake, okay, mistake, adversity that I can overcome. And then you're programming, you're really, I mean, I wrote this down that coaches are brain sculptors. And and I don't mean to make you guys intimidated that you have so much power, but you do. And you are sculpting the cause and effect pathways that will last an athlete through their entire lives. Like mistake, challenge, mistake, failure. Mistake. My coach is engaged. My coach loves me still. My coach believes in me still. Mistake, disconnection, uh, judgment, pain. So you really want to think about, okay, if everything I do is building this brain road, what do I want to be creating?
1: Yeah, Again, so many amazing points, and I'm just thinking about the, um, the, also the accountability of the coach to recognise, like you said, that they are brain sculptors. It is a big responsibility, but it's something that we should be excited about, um, not intimidated about it. We should be excited about that. Um, essentially, what we're saying here is that everything that we do, whether it's an athlete or ourselves as human beings, is learnt behaviour. It's it's based on the fact that, you know, we are what we repeatedly do. And so if we brush our teeth a certain way in the morning, then we will create a neural pathway about that's how we should brush our teeth. And if I use my left hand instead of my right hand, then actually that that becomes um, clumsy and I'm not very good at it because I haven't created that kind of pathway. I mean, essentially everything is learnt behavior, isn't it?
0: Yes, yes. And, you know, anyone that took basic psych remembers that Pavlov's dog, you know, experiment that, that where you rang a bell and the dog learned to salivate. I think, I think most people have heard that, that he taught the dog that every time he rang the bell, the dog would salivate because the food was coming. And then when he took away the food, actually, when he rang the bell, the dog would just have that automatic response. And I hate to say that, but say this, but we're not too far away from that ourselves. And, um, it's true again, through your, even through your coaching behavior, that everything you do is, is building that pathway. Let's say you're coaching and you look at your phone to check Facebook while you're coaching. That is a pattern. And then if you keep doing that, you make that road in your brain, a super highway to where that becomes habit. Mm. So it is true that we're doing it in ourselves as well, that we're creating habits of reactions all the time. Now, the good thing is remember that you can either build these highways or there's something called synaptic pruning, that it's kind of a use it or lose it type of thing. Like if you stop doing a certain behavior, like you stop automatically turning into Starbucks on your way to work, That habit can change, but it's hard to change habits too, because it's almost like if you imagine that road, imagine one of those kind of ripping away, it's almost like that synapse is pruning and ripping away and like finding a new place to connect. So that's why habit formation is, is hard and it's hard to change habits too. So let's get into
1: um, how, well, synaptic, is that, that the right word, synaptic pruning? Was that what you
0: mentioned? Did I get that Yeah, right? synaptic pruning. Yeah, yeah. synaptic pruning is, is again, yeah, you use it. And yeah. when you use it, you're building your superhighway. And when you don't do it, yeah. you can have synaptic pruning. And that's what we don't want to be happening during this downtime. Um, we don't want a lot of pruning. And I think that's what coaches are scared of. We're losing this. We're losing our you know, automatic responses. We're use- losing our timing. And some of this is true. I'm not saying that what I'm going to tell you to do with your athletes mm-hmm. will help alleviate all of this. But I do think that we can do some things right now with our athletes that will really help them come back better.
1: Excellent. Sounds great. Well, let's get into what some of those things are then. Where do we, where do we start with that?
0: All right. So you want to remember that you're building the brain bank and every repetition done in a positive way is making those synapses join and wrap themselves with a protein called myelin. And then you have this synaptic pathway that will serve the athlete. When you get back in the gym, something very important for coaches to do right now is have their athletes write down. I have my athletes write down keepers, upgrades and fixers on every event. Keepers are skills that they did last season that they want to keep going into new season or they want to definitely Um, do when they get back in the gym, if I tell you the number one thing that my athletes that I work with individually are saying that they fear, it's losing skills. They are afraid they're going to lose skills. So keepers are going to be skills, again, that they did last season that they want to keep. Then there's upgrades. I think that they can start training upgrades now even being out of the gym. And I'm going to tell you how in a minute. So they write out all their upgrades on every event. And then I have them write out what I call fixers. Now, fixers are habits, bad habits, that they would like to change even while they're out of the gym. And I know you're saying like, Ali, how are they going to change bad habits out of the gym? But I'm going to, again, I'll tell you how in a minute. And I know it'll make you coaches very happy. that if there's an athlete that always throws their head, maybe we can fix that out of the gym. Then after their keepers, upgrades, and fixers, I have them write keywords for each of those skills. So then I'm stimulating kind of a technical and auditory part of the brain, writing keywords that are very rhythmic, Because I also want to stimulate a rhythm part of the brain, which is a totally different part of the the brain. The effect of music on the brain is in a class all its own. And if you look at studies in Alzheimer's and Parkinson's, it's amazing how people with Parkinson's can have like freezing when they walk and then they can sing a song inside their head that they love. And all of a sudden their motor function works. And this is the same with Alzheimer's patients. So if you want to Google or YouTube those studies, they're fascinating. So I always pair my skills with rhythmic words, and I also pair it with music. So I'm going to have them do these walkthroughs with music. So they write out their keywords. They pick some music for that event. And then I'm going to have them every day while they're out walk through these skills as realistic as possible, saying their keywords in their head, feeling confidence, breathing in confidence, and also visualizing the gym, almost like they're in like a VR virtual reality situation and their bedroom goes down and their gym comes up. And I'm going to have them walk through at least 10 skills a day. Now, for fixers, I'm gonna have them do what I call freeze and squeeze, which is let's say again, they don't get their arms by their ears. I'm gonna have them say the keyword and do the action arms, and then hold and fix the bad habit, feel the correction, squeeze the correction, relax, and then activate the correction, relax, activate the correction. Relax and have them repeat that cycle. So as a coach, and this is great for injured athletes as well, and this is great, again, to put in the gym when you don't want to do as many numbers. And I think, actually, you should do these types of arm sets all the time, but that's another another story. But right now, having your athletes write out keepers, upgrades, fixers, having them do arm sets with keywords, with music, with feeling – And seeing the gym will help to build those roads so they come back faster and the body responds because it already has an embedded pathway. And this is a great way to train your technical skills, even bank some upgrades while they're out of the gym. If you're listening
2: to this podcast, then there's a great chance you're a gymnastics coach who is committed to bettering yourself and enhancing your skills and knowledge to improve your athlete's results. In recent years, Nick has provided advice, coaching and education services to over 20 international gymnastics federations, sharing his experience coaching at a world-class level and many of the proven concepts and philosophies that are getting great results all around the world with his clients and community. The Gymnastics Growth Academy, Nick's brand new membership and mentoring program, is now your opportunity to learn these same teachings alongside a ton of additional information on technique, methodology, programming, physical preparation, and much, much more. To further explore the Gymnastics Growth Academy and join the fast-growing community of coaches learning from Nick's mentorship, visit gymnasticsgrowth.com.
1: You mentioned there about keywords. Now, are those keywords linked to the coaching cues that coaches would be providing the athlete for those particular skills? So it could be lift, up, lunge, kick, things like that. Is is that what you mean by keywords?
0: Yes, I think the keywords is something I call mental choreography, which is the choreography for the mind. And when you do a keyword, and and these are going to be technical corrections. That's not the only type of mental choreography, but in this situation, especially, I want them to be activating your technical corrections. Most of these are one word, one syllable corrections. Like you didn't even know you did it, Nick. But you're like lift, push, squeeze you know, because our, our sport is very rhythmic. Again, I'm wanting to match the natural rhythm of the skill. So if you're doing a giant, it's like tap shift, you know, you're matching the natural rhythm of skill. So yes, these technical cues are definitely your coaching corrections that we again are integrating into the neural pathway so that when the athlete comes back and says the same words, we're getting the same response which is the goal we want to put energy into those roads now so they'll pay us back later and they'll continue to pay us back in competition
1: yeah i think what's also fascinating here is that if you've got an athlete that's making a mistake a technical mistake over and over again in the gym um and they're doing their mental don't do it well if they're doing Mm -hmm. the mental tools alongside it then it's Mm -hmm. kind of they're getting a little bit of both now at the minute when the athlete is at home and they're not doing the negative repetitions, if you like. So they're not kind of reinforcing those neural pathways. All they're going to get is the good stuff. All they're doing is is more positive habit formation. So now is a really good time to be doing this stuff and and getting the athletes into the habit of, of spending time, of course, with these mental tools.
0: Yeah. It's such a great time to do it. And that's why you don't want them to do them sloppily. Mm. Like you don't want them, you want them to do it like full out where they're even doing it in slow motion, where they're really freezing and squeezing proper body position. So you're right. You don't want to train bad habits. And going back to that just for a second, when you guys are back in the gym, you know, again, if you're looking at deposits versus withdrawals, if you have a couple of withdrawals, like they keep throwing their head, going back to that correction, you do want to back them up and do a drill, do an arm set. Again, we're thinking about how, thinking about how to build that pathway that we want that's going to pay off pay off for us there's a great quote and it's um passing mental states become lasting neural traits mm-hmm. and i think that's true you know you want to have every passing mental state be what you want for that athlete because it becomes embedded and burned in to their hard wiring of this kind of electrical brains, you know, system that we've got going on.
1: Nice. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I mean, I, I love the language here, deposits, withdrawals, you know, learnt behaviours, habit formation. Yeah. I think it, this is all Amazing stuff, Doc Ali. Thank you so much for sharing with us. And and also, you you referred to emotional contagion earlier. That we, you know, emotions are contagious. If the athlete is able to to feel that the coach is getting frustrated, then that's obviously going to rub off on them, and they start to attach failure on with a certain emotion as well. Now, I've seen this with athletes that um, that cry as soon as they make a mistake. So they'll so they'll fall. Let's say it's a you know they do a kick cast handstand. They'll go over the top in a routine. And that routine is kind of over. They've made a mistake, and instantly they just cry. And I think the mm-hmm. only way that they can ever have, have learnt to do that, because it is learnt behaviour, is that they acknowledging that there's always a consequence to them making that mistake. So it's almost like the body's reaction to go: I've made a mistake. The consequence is here. I immediately need to cry. And it's a it's a real shame to see athletes in that kind of state as well, because it's a, in terms of emotional intelligence and being able to manage your emotions, it's not really doing the athletes any favours for for their future skill set is it
0: no no not at all and again if you look at this being a biological issue like a lot of times people think oh it's a mental toughness issue but now i want you to look at it after this talk is it's not only mental toughness it is a conditioned response fall, cry. And they're wired that way. So you have to think, okay, how can I rewire this athlete? Well, maybe every time they fall, I'll try to make them laugh. So you're actually trying to prune that pattern. You're doing a pattern disruptor and you're pruning that pattern and trying to wire in a new pattern. And I think as coaches, again, you want to look at it from this perspective. How can I rewire this athlete and how can I be super creative in doing it? And maybe you're doing something out of your own comfort zone. Maybe you're building your new neural pathways to do something a little different with an athlete that has a pattern in their brain that you're not seeing as successful for them. You know, while they're out of the gym, I'm also having them create new patterns in terms of psychological characteristics. So I'm having my athletes do like a mental toughness checklist, like confidence, able to turn around frustration, positivity, coachability, things like that. And then we're targeting their lowest ones and having them work on those while they're out of the gym as well and come up with creative ways to build those pathways. Let's say it's a fearful gymnast. Well, we're thinking, okay, how can we build your fearlessness right now while you're out of the gym? Now, of course, we want them to do something safe and parental approval is important, but maybe they try a new food that they've never tried. Maybe they... Um, You know, maybe they're afraid of the dark. And so they try to sit in the dark and breathe for 10 minutes. Let's say a kid isn't very coachable and has a bad attitude. We're gonna build their coachability pathway by having them for one day do everything their parents say right away while they're out of the gym without argument. Just like being a coach. You know, when you're when you're being coached, as soon as your coach gives a correction, you might start like, oh, I don't want to do that. I'm scared to do that. That's not gonna work anyway or whatever's happening there. So I'm having them even train these behaviors outside of the gym. And again, try to rewire their brain with successful experiences outside of the gym. So that's another thing that I would invite you to do as coaches. You can email me for my mental toughness checklist is have them look at their mental skills and then brainstorm, okay, how can I build confidence right now while I'm out of the gym so that I walk back in more confident maybe I spend a day having super confident body language maybe I put a dot on my hand and every time I see that dot I breathe and say I am a confident person so again it's all about how we can build and rewire ourselves and and become sculptors of our own brain it's like a brain hack or a life hack for ourselves and for our athletes
1: Absolutely, and essentially, what we're talking about here is creating um, a greater degree of consciousness for the coach and for the athlete. So to be actually familiar at first with what these behaviours are that that might need improving or refining or changing, um, because everything that you've mentioned here, of course, can work for for the coaches as well. You know, first of all, recognizing what patterns that they are repeating every single day, every you know these behaviours which are maybe not so positive traits and how we can replace those with, um, with traits which are gonna be more beneficial to helping them get closer towards their goals. And of course, having a better quality of life as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. And kind of becoming again, your awareness is key. Consciousness is key. Slowing down is key because when your brain fires, it's usually your reaction that has been wired in for a long time. It might be reactions from your own childhood So as a coach, it does take an amount of presence and consciousness to decide, is this working for me? Mm -hmm. Is this a habit I want to continue to feed and build where it is more automatic and more reactive? Is it working in this way? Or is it a habit that I feel like, okay, I'm going to prune this habit. I'm going to work on my own emotional control. So that every time an athlete has a fear, I don't right away go, you know, I don't do these behaviors. I breathe and I become more conscious of where do I want to put my energy in terms of my own brain? Now, we all know people, and this is true, people are wired this way because of their whole history. You know people that are negative people or they're cranky people. And what they do is you see all around you what fits your pathway? Because these pathways are so well traveled. It's kind of like when you decide you want a certain car, you're like, I'm going to buy this car. And then what do you see everywhere? You see that car, you notice that car everywhere, that one that you wanted to buy. Because there's so much information coming into your brain all the time. And you can only attend a certain amount. And so people will be more likely to see the world in a negative way and and see things that fit their neural pathway or the opposite. Like I tend to see everything as like, I'm very optimistic. And I think I drive my husband crazy because I'm kind of like a Pollyanna, you know, it'll be fine, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> and part of it's because I've been wired that way now for so long. And so he'll see something bad and I'll think like, oh, I don't even recognize that. So I think as a coach, we're so used to seeing the negative and what needs to be fixed. And so you might even stretch your own brain and there's ways to work on your own neuroplasticity by having a day where all you do is reinforce the positive. One workout, Friday, positive days. All you do is reinforce what's working in your athlete and just have fun with it. See what it feels like.
1: Of course you get good at what you repeatedly practice don't you so if you're saying that your outlook on life is the way it is now it's you know a byproduct of repeatedly practicing those thoughts and building those you know mental habits i guess over a long period of time which is exactly what we need to do with with the gymnasts as well whilst they are at home at the moment and they've got a lot of time on their hands how much time would you recommend um, allocating to this and would you kind of build it up or would you just start off with a with a set number of minutes if you like and just keep it going
0: I'm recommending doing an hour a day. Oh, wow. So it's a, I mean, it could be like.
1: Yeah, nice chunk of time.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, right now, again, right now, yep. while they're out of the gym, I'm having them do 45 minutes to an hour okay. a day. And then with the behavioral traits, I'm having them really focus on one behavioral trait every day, whether it is, like I said, you know, walking around super positive or confronting your fear of spiders or, you know, whatever it is in terms of molding your personality and behaviors in the gym, um, having them practice that. Maybe they get frustrated easily. So I'm having them practice um, having over positive day that no matter uh, what happens, they're like, perfect. Now I have the opportunity to, and they have to say, perfect. Now I have the opportunity to, and kind of change their framing on whatever that negative frustrating event is. So um, I think practicing the behaviors all day and then really looking at walking through the skills, fixers, upgrades, keepers, um, next steps. Sometimes I have them do dream skills as well during this break because I think it's super fun to keep it plastic shall I say plastic and keep them moving and looking forward and increasing motivation and good feelings. So I'm having dream skill Fridays where they're walking through skills they might want to do in two seasons, in three seasons, and just like feel themselves do that double back or feel themselves do that your full, um, which I think is really powerful as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely and I'm sure there's mileage in them being inspired just by watching other gymnastics as well, is that right? You know, getting on um, you know, get the olympics on from previous years and world championships and some of their favorite performances and just kind of consuming that as well. Am I right in saying that that could be beneficial for
0: them? Yes, and you're right on a neuron level as well. Okay. So there's something in our brain called mirror neurons. Mm-hmm. And mirror neurons were created so that we could imitate people and we could imitate responses that would be healthy for us. So when you see someone do something, and this has been studied over and over again in animals, but also with you know brain EEGs, um, they, they, when you see someone doing something they are, um, your brain starts to fire in the same way. So it's really fascinating that as you watch yourself
2: Mm.
0: on video, as you watch other athletes on video, our brains start to sync and imitate and you start to form these pathways. And I think that's so important also for coaches to know that their athletes are firing mirror neurons, especially if you're very connected to your athletes, which we, which you all are. I mean, you spend so much time with them that you're firing mirror neurons. There was an awesome study where um, they checked the brain waves of participants listening to a story and a comedian. And at first the brain waves were totally different. And as the comedian told the story with emotion, Their brainwaves synced up. And so as we listen to people, as we listen to stories, hopefully your brainwave and my brainwaves have synced up more. And the more our brains become in sync and everyone listening, the more we feel connected and the more we feel like, oh, Doc Alley gave a good talk, you know? So you have to really be mindful of these mirror neurons as well and how we affect each other.
1: What you've just mentioned there, Ali, is, is making me think a couple of things. One, um, that we often replicate the body language of the people right in front of us. So if we're having a conversation and someone moves their body in a certain way, then we're much more likely, of course, to mirror that body language as well, which is right on point with what you're saying. Um, yes. And isn't it interesting how you can see some athletes and you, and you watch the athletes, you think, God, they're just like their coach. You know, they've got the same body language, the same mannerisms, the same, you know, movement. And ultimately, if you've got a high level athlete spending 25 plus hours a week with this individual, mm-hmm. then it's no wonder right. that their behaviors kind of rub off on them. But, so I can really understand what, you, what you're saying there.
0: Plus, if they're younger, the younger we are, um, the more neuroplasticity we have. Um we still can rewire our brains every day and we are every day i mean you are not the same person that started this talk your brain is different now now that we've had this talk all of us my brain too but when you're younger you are more plastic and i think looking at the role of a coach and being that brain sculptor i think it's important to take that into consideration as well
2: thanks for listening to the gymnastics growth show with nick reddock We hope you've enjoyed this episode, and if so, we would love for you to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to help support the positive messages found within these episodes. Assuming you're not driving or out for a run right now, why don't you head on over to gymnasticsgrowth.com to check out the valuable membership and mentoring opportunity delivered by Nick himself, which is impacting coaches and athletes all over the world. Thanks for sharing some of your day with us and we look forward to you coming back for future coaching conversations on the Gymnastics Growth Show.